You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod. The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this like you know intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard to capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. It's true. It was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never <laughs> You won't make it in the future, do they? I don't think so, no. I am not a Tashi R fan. That's probably the nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's that sound? It's Geek Legacy's Escape Pod, blasting off and bringing you all the best miscellaneous mundane chit-chat about Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your host, Randy Van Dyke. I got two co-hosts, Mr. Justin Cavender. How you doing, sir? I am fabulous, Randy. Thank you. And Mr. David Edmondson, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing great. Much like Counselor Troy, I hope to finally come alive in episode 17. <laughs> So today we are going to be talking about the 17th episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. And this episode is called Home Soil, which aired uh, originally fe- February 20th, 1988. And uh, according to IMDb, is rated 6.8 stars, which is pretty mediocre as far as uh, episode ratings go. And uh, just to refresh your memory, in case you don't remember from last week or in case you haven't watched the episode yet, this is going to be the little blurb uh, describing the mess we're going to be talking about today. On Velara 3, Geordi and Data discover a microscopic life form responsible for the death of an engineer stationed on the base. I feel like that's an oversimplified version of what this episode is about. <laughs> it, like, they only had really- a couple of characters. It's like this is pre-Twitter and they only are allowed 140 characters. Yeah, 140 characters, no more, no less. Uh, so yeah, um, it obviously goes a heck of a lot uh, bigger and deeper than that. And um, yeah, let's just dive right into it, I suppose. Uh, Can we refer to each other as ugly giant bags of mostly water? Yeah, ugly bag of mostly water. Um, we're, we're definitely jumping ahead in the story, but I, I appreciate the fact that any alien life form referring to a human as like a water sack or a water balloon, ugly bag of mostly water. Uh, it's like it's like HK forty seven calling everybody meat bags in uh, Star Trek or Star Trek in Star Wars Old Republic. Um, so I the, mean, this uh, felt like this felt like what's what's the fictional show in Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest? Yeah, it's called Galaxy. Was it called Galaxy Quest? This felt like an episode of the Galaxy Quest show. Deanna Troy was summoning her best Sigourney Weaver, like just saying like the dumbest shit this whole <laughs> this whole episode. She was like, uh, let's see if I can find oh, man, I lost I lost my page. Oh she she's as open as she is informative. And she just, just kept waiting for her to say, computer, is there another Brilliant Sphere on board? Right. Um, but it was nice to have her in the episode, you know. And she was actually doing what the ship's counselor who happens to be Vedazoid should do and tell you what the other motherfuckers are thinking. Right, so it I, was almost like seventeen episodes in. They're like, "Oh shit, she can she can like sense people's minds." We should use yeah, that. A couple things on that. Um, one, uh, I don't know if it is like morally okay or ethically okay to have an empath with you uh, when 
doing like conducting like federation business i feel like it's like a like a violation of trust i don't know uh, maybe i'm weird but i feel like it's it's uh, a faux pas and maybe is a little bit taboo yeah, you know what it's like? It's like sitting around a table playing poker and somebody is standing on the other side of the table looking at your opponent's hand and giving you signals like mm-mm or uh-huh, you know, that kind of thing. It's vaguely giving you like giving you hints of what you should do, how you should proceed, and it's totally unfair. Like, right. Completely I feel like, unfair. I feel like just the from what I as someone that let's just pretend that this is all I know of Star Trek is the 17 episodes that I have seen so far. Uh it seems like it would be in in like a direct violation of the Federation and their code of ethics. It just seems kind of weird to have an empath uh, on board uh, and, and utilizing them to, you know, try and understand the, I guess is to understand people, but when they're in direct contact with someone that is a friend of the Federation or, or, or an organization that's working for the Federation, it seems kind of uh, wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, no, it seems I, weird. I, I think it's definitely you know th- there was no need to think that this was anything but like a routine call. Like these are friends of the Federation. Uh, I, I don't think they're actually part of the Federation. I mean they're they're part of the Federation, but they're not part of like uh, Starfleet. Right. Uh, I think they're like or, a contract job. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, so I mean it would be weird. It'd be weird that like they'd have to have their counselor like reading their minds while they're talking and stuff like that. And I get it. The guy was acting funny, and you know. Yeah, I didn't need an empath on, on on the bridge to let him know like this guy's hiding something. <laughs> right, and what what is he? Hi- I don't. So I guess I don't understand because if they didn't know that it was a life form, why are they so nervous that they're there? It's because they did know. So it's all it's, a ruse. It's, they were yeah, lying. That, that that the director of the him. of the facility absolutely knew. And Mr. Mullet, he was he suspected. And then the girl <laughs> was like, I, I don't even know, you know. Um, but but yeah, the, She's the director as open of the facility is trustworthy. Knew. Right. Her mystery is uh, only exceeded by her power. So the, the the interesting thing about uh, having having Troy there on the bridge was I don't think they went into it like intentionally like hey read this guy's mind and let us know what's up i think it was so powerful like his sense of deception and and being nervous and just wanting to get rid of these guys it was so powerful that she couldn't help but feel it so yeah. i i, I don't intense could be very unpredictable stand your toes number two number one right i don't know it seems it seems weird to me but like um fuck i had another thought i Skip me. I, I had something I wanted to say and I totally forgot what it was. <laughs> I sense deliberate concealment, sir. Yeah, there's a lot of that. No, I, I, it was a, a fun point, but I don't remember what the fuck it was anymore. And now I'm a little sad about it. Should it have wrote about the person not having a clue what was going on down there and why he would be so, so deceptive? Let, let's just kind of talk a, a little bit about you know what was at the, the heart of the episode. So basically the Enterprise rolls up on this planet and there's a group of terraformers down there and they are over they're they're working on terraforming the planet and making it uh, class M suitable for for human life that kind of thing um, but they haven't been responsive they haven't like uh, they, nobody's heard from them for a while they're not responding to any kind of uh, Starfleet messages or anything so they're gonna you know they happen to be in the neighborhood so they're gonna cruise by and knock on the door see if anybody's home um, so first and foremost like they don't answer the hails right away then all of a sudden this guy comes he's like he's disheveled like completely uh 
like curt with them all, all quick and like trying to get rid of them. No, 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 we're fine. You guys can continue on about your business. And then that's when Troy speaks up going, Hey, there's something up. We better investigate this. So that's, that's what starts us down the rabbit hole of the entire episode. Right. And is it kind of weird that she can pick up those vibes over a phone call? I mean, like it sensing is them from like a, like a forced sort of way. <laughs> Just so, through, no, no, through the no, phone. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and to me, it's very much like, um, like Superman being able to hear the voice of Lois Lane, like on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. but he's able to separate her voice out from, from the billions of others between him and her, that kind of thing that it just seems, seems wild to me. And uh, same thing for, for counselor Troy to be able to pick up on the one guy. Now, granted, I will say that this was a, a whole planet. Like if she does have the ability to, to, to reach out and feel a great distance away. I mean, there's four humans at that terraforming, uh, you know, machine or, or pod or whatever they called it on that planet. So, I mean, she has the possibility of only reading those other four other than the people who she hears in her head all the time on the enterprise. So, so I guess that would have made it easier, but still you, you're, you're right. You pointed out kind of like a, a weird, like flaw in the whole Betazoid thing. Like how, how can it work over a phone call? Right. Over that a view screen. Yeah. You're not supposed to look into it that deeply. Right, right. I know. I think I was just thinking of it because I don't think that someone with that ability belongs on uh, a starship that is going to be establishing relationships that are built on trust. <laughs> right. And, 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 and like, like you mentioned earlier, she was completely irrelevant to the episode. There was they, they didn't need a mind reader to know that the director was hiding something and that you know, once they went down to the planet, that's when the whole mining laser thing happened. So the instantly new shit was going awry. So, you know, while I appreciate them trying to give, uh, you know, Counselor Troy something to do, uh, it was completely unnecessary. And they could have easily accomplished this with without, you know, reading someone's mind, which, as uh, Patrick Stewart will tell us many, many years later, as his stint as Professor X is, uh, it's not cool. You don't do that without permission. Right. You want them dorky helmets. Yeah. And and even when the the life form that they find on the planet is brought back up to the ship and it's replicating and becomes strong enough or or in numbers enough to be able to communicate, she's not able to read its mind or its thoughts there. It's like everybody's puzzled as it's trying to initially establish communication with the humans. And why did they bring it up to the Enterprise? It seems like a pretty big violation of the Prime Directive. <laughs> I know. Why not just study it down there? Where, right. where maybe you know, at least exactly if it does, you know, uh, wreak havoc. At least uh, it'll be contained in the quarantine zone. I think the reason being because they didn't have the medical or they didn't have the um, the, the scientific uh, equipment down there on the surface to be able to do the tests that they needed to figure out what it was. Because it's it's like a non organic life form, and it's like right. the first time they've ever experienced anything like this. It's like a it's conductor. Just- it just seems like an odd choice if you have this presumed life form that can take over computer systems to take it up to a ship that's run by computers. But yeah. at that point, they all they know is that the 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 space laser, the um, the mining laser, just started acting funny as if it had somebody else controlling it. I don't know if they necessarily put it together that this little flashing dot of sand, grain of sand, or whatever. <laughs> um, was was sentient enough to be able to control that? I, I, I think I think they put that together obviously as they went, but but initially it was an oddity. It has survived seventeen episodes, and they're doing some they're doing some really dumb shit on that starship. I can't believe that they have not just 
exploded or been vented out into space or something. They, it seems every episode they're bringing back some something that's taking over people's minds or is giving them a disease or going to take over the ship or something. Like they just need to stop going down to planets. They need to right. they, got, they need to escape these people. And whenever they need to get information out of a woman, they always send Riker to do it. Like, wink, wink, nudge, oh, yeah. nudge, go do your thing. Like, even in this episode where he goes to that lady's quarters and she's all sad and everything. And he's just standing there, like, super creepy in her bubble, in her space, just, like, looking at her like he's about ready to kiss her. And, like, God damn, this is so awkward. I got like Her crewmate just died. Is he... Question, just from, like, a weird technical point of view. Is he in her bubble so they both just fit on the screen? Because yes. we're, it's only like a four by three it, ratio, it's, or whatever. It's one hundred percent about framing for the camera. <laughs> but but I'm looking at it because she's standing there, and he's got this look on his face. Now maybe that's his look of I'm paying attention to you. We're talking. I'm trying to be sympathetic. That kind of thing. <laughs> but he's kind of got this like raised brow, like yeah. yeah. And the scene before when like. I, I think it was on the bridge and Picard even tells him to go talk to the woman, see what you can find out, you know, like go do your thing. And it's just like, lets him off his chain. And he's like swinging his dick down the hallway. Going to go do the Riker thing. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting when they introduced data to the miners and they were marveling at the fact that he was a synthetic life form that they actually referred to him as, you know, third in command of the enterprise. You know, obviously we know that Picard's one and uh, Riker's two, but, uh, you know, we never really get into the minutia that, you know, Data is the, you know, number third in charge. Right. The only and time we they, did was when he separated the saucer section and they were going to self-destruct the Enterprise uh, when the technosexuals were stealing the ship or whatever. <laughs> I think it was that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's kind of a great way to, to to kind of shut down anybody who might have some sort of outward bias against right. androids. Like, this dude is super high rank in Starfleet and uh, yeah, third in command of the ship. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's a pretty big qualifier. Right, right. 100%. Very big qualifier. Um, I think this, this is, so what I like about this episode is I like the idea of, of humans just going somewhere that they're not supposed to be and, and playing God and the whole Jurassic park, you know, your scientists Mm -hmm. were so preoccupied with whether or not that they could, that they didn't stop to think if they should. And I think that scientists are just always the fucking bad guys in science fiction. And this is 100% true in this episode. They're literally murdering this, this existence of, of, well, to say people, but this life forms. And uh, they don't even give a shit. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. There's no signs of life because um, in our hubris, if it's not organic, then it's not life, right? We we have no right. real fundamental understanding of what is out there, and they're very much on a mission to understand what's out there, and they're not even taking a second to to actually do the work. I mean, they yeah. had this little dot on the, and their little beam for five seconds, and they're sitting there looking at it, and they figured out in two seconds that this is probably a life form. And yeah, it, and it's crazy. It, it, it's interesting that. Um... You know, this this life form is is doing all it can to try to communicate and nobody is is paying attention. Nobody is 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 taking a moment to even realize that it might be. And you're looking at the four people that were originally working the terraforming facility. They all knew something was up when patterns started forming in the sand and uh, uh, like some sort of um, 
like lettering or or diagrams or something that they couldn't understand. Like obviously that's not just random bits of sand just kind of moving from vibrations. It's something right. trying to communicate with you. Why wouldn't you stop if you are the scientists that you claim you are? Why wouldn't you stop and just do a little bit of research? Why cling to this thing that hey, look, all the Federation scientists said that there's no life here, so we're just going to do as we've been told, as we've been paid to do, and terraform this rock. You know, why... And, and then that's why when, when, the, when the life form can finally, using the translator and the, and the Enterprise, start to speak to the crew in language they can understand, a very broken English, it's just like, we tried to talk... We, you murdered us. You killed us. We tried to talk. You wouldn't listen. You're arrogant. And that's something that I really kind of picked up on, too. And that was really kind of drilled home towards the end. It's like, um, yes, now we can finally understand each other, but you're too arrogant to, for us to trust. We're, never going to, we're not going to trust you anytime soon. Come back in 300 years and maybe we'll talk. Right. Right. Oh, 100%. Because, because I mean, water sacks. Exactly. Like, because yeah. when. When uh, one thing that I feel like an education does or, or, or science, you want to ask questions, right? Like, why is it like this? Do, do I really have an understanding of why this is the way it is? You know, it's theory in so many cases, you know, explaining why something is the way that it is. And these brilliant people that are, that are assigned to redesign a complete planet aren't stopping to ask themselves these questions like why is this formation this way why is the water doing this behavior you know um so many things i mean it's 100 like hindsight's 2020 and i totally get that but uh, from a scientific point of view i would feel like they would want to check charts and run numbers and and try and look at things uh differently uh to understand that and as opposed I, I to just a scan I got the impression that like the one who mullet head who was kind of like, uh, like, yeah, we thought something was up. And, but then like the director had kind of like said, Oh no, it's your imagination and stuff. It's no like big that. deal. Yeah. So, so, so the, the only one I got the opinion of those piece of shit was the, like the main guy, the director guy. Uh, yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like he was kind of, I mean, I, I got the impression that, um, that the woman had no idea of any of this, uh, that she right. was not privy to like the, uh, the signs that they'd found in the sand. That was just something, between the director and the guy with the mullet uh, and that the director had kind of, you know, talked him out of the house. Federation's been through this. It's just random wind patterns and stuff like that. Um, but you but, can but tell like, that it must've stuck with him because, you know, he was you know able to recall these things as, as you know, you know, um, you know, being a results orientated person. Like, of course, now it's obvious that this was the entity down there, but you know, there was so many things to explain it away before. Right. Well, when the one doctor or the one scientist that got murdered or was attacked, he was trying to have a conversation with Jordy and Data, and and then Mullet was like, "Oh, those have nothing to do with it." Blah blah blah. You know, like trying to get him uh, to just keep quiet and not mention yeah. it anymore. So, I mean, that right there was kind of weird because it's like, well, why can't he discuss a theory or an idea? When instead Mullet just shuts it down, like you shouldn't be talking to them about this. Yeah, I, I got the impression that he was just like, I don't want to have to explain this to them a million times. Like I just want these people to take their tour and get the f out of here. I don't want to talk to mm -hmm. them any longer than I have to. 
Yeah, and it's funny because as, as soon as as that Melanson character, he's the one that dies. As soon as he's done talking to to Jordy and Data and everything, he goes over into the laser room and then just like immediately gets killed. And it almost sounds like I thought I thought the um, the old guy, the director of the place, uh, Kurt Mandel. I thought he was the one that was like killing him. Like you keep Look your fucking mouth shut. The you know? names of these people. I am cheating. I have the Wikipedia page okay. up here. And I'm and like, and the just boss for the guy, mullet guy, girl, and the guy who got killed. <laughs> for the record, for the record, mullet guy. His name is Bjorn, which is awesome. How can you? How can yeah. you not love a name that means bear? <laughs> Who's a big hairy a dude? Get your baby Bjorn so you can wear your kid on your chest like a papoose. Can't wait. Exactly. But anyway, yeah, I, I thought as soon as he left the room and you just start hearing him just get murdered, I'm like, well, clearly he said the wrong thing. He talked too much. Um, but I would have been wrong that it was, you know, human hands that did it. Right. But, uh, I mean, I really like... So I like everything that this episode has to offer minus the the communication between the spec and the enterprise like i didn't like the the robotic broken english kind of thing i thought that was just a little too 1960s sci-fi for me but i I like i like the idea of the terraforming the planet i like the idea that one of these scientists is is okay with killing everything and just going for it and um i just i'm upset that that 75% of the people down on that planet weren't sharp enough to to see past the the director and and speak up in the name of science and what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. Total yeah. recall like a motherfucker. Yeah. I mean cuz yeah. again that just goes back to just the flawed science sci- flawed humans like they literally just think of all life as just organic as opposed to other possibilities. And that, and, and that kind of bothers me. That reminds me of something that Dr. Crusher says, you know, when, when they first bring that spec up to the enterprise, she's like, well, you know, this clearly, this isn't, this isn't life because life needs to fall under these criteria. It needs to secrete. It needs to excrete. It needs to reproduce. She goes on a list of like these 10 different things that sounds all very scientific. And yes, that is something that we consider as terrestrials, as, as earthlings, that's what we consider to be life. But, you know, that's not, thinking fourth dimensionally that's not thinking about something that doesn't require organic matter to to live right and then it recreated um, yeah it and then it reproduced right yeah. in front of them it'd yeah. be fucking the entire time and like man <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even see it we a bunch of idiots but i mean this is something that like you know this is going to be a problem in like 200 years you know eventually you know we will expand beyond our planet and we will have to find planets that will sustain our lives and you know terraforming is is already a used kind of thing uh, to smaller degrees and like inhospitable climates to, you know, try to help it, you know, uh, change its weather patterns and stuff like that. You know, we're going to come to the fact that we're going to find these planets that don't have atmosphere that will need to do something to create an artificial atmosphere because, you know, we're not going to want to live in domed cities, you know, forever. Um, and so, you know, when that happens, there's going to be just, you know, I'm sure by that point it'll be quadrillions of bazillions of dollars. You know, it's going to be big business and we're going to see, we're going to see like planetary genocides. I mean, we won't, we'll be long dead, but you know, the people of that time period are going to see, you know, yeah, yeah. There, there's sort of life on here. It's like fungus or something like that, but don't worry. We can eradicate it. You know, mm-hmm. we saw it in like the original series of movies with like project Genesis, you know, that they're supposed to find uninhabited worlds, but you know, David and Savik, you know, or not Savik, um, 
whatever the mother's name was, they found this planet that they're like, oh, well, there's not any real life on there. There's, there, there is, there's like, there's like, uh, they were called like microplasms or something like that, which are life, but they were like, eh, it's not important enough life to where we can't launch this, this Genesis probe into there and to create life. And, you know, we saw what they're trying to play God did. And, uh, yeah, which makes me think, why is terraforming so hard? We already did it in Star Trek three. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, why does this process take like decades when 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. It took like all of 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah. (laughs) And they did it on the, in the inside of that asteroid in Star Trek two. And, you know, they terraformed that in something like 30 minutes, they said. <laughs> right. I mean, I honestly, my, my, my heart breaks for the worlds out there that we are going to travel to. Uh, just knowing how uh, horrible human beings can be and the atrocities that we commit to both animals and other human beings, it is not going to be kind to these other planets. What if we're the ones that get terraformed? They're like, ah, eh, these are the insects. What if they, what if they Independence Day us? Well, that can happen. Uh, we just on the other side. Called a reckoning, Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Judgment day. Well, you guys can, can can when it happens, you can walk with your open arms there, since you think we deserve it. I don't believe so. I think humans are great. I'm not saying I'm not saying we deserve it, but there's a lot of horrible people out there, and a lot of horrible industries. You mentioned big business and billion dollar industries, and I mean I'm I'm reading about it and seeing it all the time with with uh, like slaughterhouses and cruelty to animals. Uh, poaching, things like that. Some humans are just downright horrible people, and uh, and it and it breaks my heart. And that's all I have to say about that. Oh yeah. So the, so what are you a yay or nay? On this episode, oh, I'm a yay. Um, I I very much like the idea of of everything that happens in this. The only thing the only thing I don't like about this episode is the the communication between the spec and the enterprise, but I, I, I like where it ends up and I like how they figure it out and they're able to move on. But I don't understand. The only thing that bothers me is I don't know if there's going to be any kind of repercussions for the director. Um, you know, he's a shady sort and um, I don't think he's necessarily going to get into trouble, which is weird, but uh, he's going to have some Lucy, you're going to have some explaining to do to leave behind all this, uh, equipment in this facility and the 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 five million space bucks they spent on the the research center. There's going to be questions that are asked, <laughs> and he wow. seemed all too willing to commit genocide too. I, I yeah, not, uh, I did not see the yay coming out of you, Justin, from, from what you were saying earlier. But uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, it's literally like a like a Jurassic Park sort of scenario where we're trying to recreate this world and and make something happen and. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Well, I am a nay. I was bored to tears. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked to, we talked to nauseam about uh, Counselor Troy. And I, I thought her, her involvement was both unneeded and just kind of over the top ridiculous. Um, not, not enough Riker in it for me. You know, I just want 44 minutes of Riker doing cool shit. And this only had like 20 minutes of Riker doing cool shit. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just, it just, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is like the worst episode of Star Trek I've ever seen, but uh, it just wasn't holding my interest. And, you know, you, I, I just kind of saw everything coming from a mile away. And it, while I know that season one Star Trek is often predictable and, you know, wrapped up rather quickly, um, you know, this one just didn't really resonate with me. So I am unfortunately a nay. 
All right. Well, I guess that meets me the tiebreaker this week. Um, you know, it's interesting because I came into this pretty sure I, I knew how I was going to vote. And then after listening to both of you, it's given me a lot of food for thought. But um, when it comes down to it, I'm going to say that I actually really agree with Justin this time. And I'm going to give it a yay. Um, because even though there are really cheesy elements to it and there are elements that, you know, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm not a real big fan of in terms of some of these early Star Trek episodes. Um, the story at the heart of it is something that's really kind of prevalent and um, it's compelling. And a as we can all agree, as we've all spoken about um, just now on the show, um, this is something that's going to be a real problem for us in the future. And, uh, you know, something something that we're essentially being warned about in our entertainment, that it's going to be a very real thing for us later in life. Uh, or later in human development, um, it just, it, I mean, it's almost prophetic. And it's something that we need to appreciate and learn from uh, so we don't have some spec calling us an ugly uh, sack of mostly water, you know, in a <laughs> robotic voice. Um, so, so yeah, I'm going to give it a yay. And, and that brings our total up to nine yays and eight nays. So for the very first time ever, we are higher on the yay side. Wow. You guys are just getting used to mediocrity. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like, I feel Maybe like being, so. I've been really nay the last like couple, and you guys have uh, been surprisingly uh, a lot higher than I, I was anticipating. So Right. Uh, so the last two weeks, Maybe, Dave, I'm, maybe I'm not acclimating bad enough. <laughs> so the last two episodes, Dave, you were both nays. Right. So you're two yays. Yes. So uh, I'm... And so, this is your third time being the lone wolf. We, you, both you and I, have been lone wolf three times. Just means we can't be pushed around. Yeah, <laughs> we're alphas. So true. next week we have an episode called "Coming of Age," and it's rated seven point two stars. So it's rated higher than the one we got today. And the uh, the blurb for that one is: Picard finds himself facing a strenuous test of his loyalty to Starfleet one which the other members of the crew are st struggling to cope with, whilst Wesley faces an equally challenging entrance exam at Starfleet Academy. I'm already going to say yay because I've said too many nays and people are going to think I'm an asshole. So no. I'm a yay. I love no. it. I, I like the I, scene where Wesley was studying for the space SATs and <laughs> he was like really struggling with it and like he had the flashcards and Jordy was helping him. That was my favorite scene. Oh, man. So uh, looking at the uh, the list of directors for this next one, um, it looks like a first-time director, a guy named Mike Vehar. Um, and in terms of writers, I'm going to say it's also a first-time writer for Next Generation. So first-time writer, first-time director for this next episode, Coming of Age. So we'll see what that offers. Um, the thumbnail on IMDb shows this blue alien with like a breathing apparatus in front of him. I can't remember his name, but I had that action figure growing up. <laughs> so I thought, I always thought that race was kind of cool. We get introduced to them in this episode, but um, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Sounds like he's from the Picard, up. the Picard plot. He's from the A plot. <laughs> I don't see him being in the B plot, helping Wesley pass his entrance exam. <laughs> I don't know. The, the thumbnail has Wesley passing talking the, to him. So. Passing the space bar. Yeah, it might be uh, it might be the two of them working together to to get him into Starfleet Academy, whatever gets him off the ship, right? Keeps him out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. I'm excited. It, it's yeah. right. It's it's one of the higher ranked episodes in a while, so that's good. Yeah. 
So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll hate it. Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe we will we will we will reset the balance of the Not series. Not me. I, I I loved it. I already watched it. It's my favorite episode so far. <laughs> no, I like it so much. True. I'm gonna I'm gonna triple yay it. So no matter what you say, it is a yay. No, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, most of the time. There was only one time where I was a nay and you guys were a yay. The rest of my lone wolf ones, you guys were nay and I was a yay. And so I, for some reason, I'm liking stuff more than you guys are. So I feel kind of weird about that. Maybe I, maybe like you say, I, I like mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're just not as bitter and jaded as, as, uh, as I tend to be. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I don't think it's that. I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like like I'm not angry or bitter, or I'm, it's not like I'm trying to prove a point, you know, because you know, this whole exercise was predicated on the fact that we say there are, you know, a lot of crap next generation episodes. I just, it, it maybe it's my own problem that I'm comparing it to a show that I know it's going to become, and maybe I just have to get out of that headspace. But, um, you know, I've never been like a fan of like freak of the week storytelling, you know, even in like, you know, the CW shows or like Smallville back in the day and stuff like that. So um, maybe I just got to get my head out of my ass and just come along for the ride. Right. So I think I think for me, it just has me asking questions. And so I like where some of these are going to where, like in this case, uh, finding uh, you know humans just being the bad guy and the and scientists being the bad guy and 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 we're our own worst enemies and i feel like because i'm able to add to to look at it that way i think i'm enjoying it a little bit more you know i, I love these discussions that we're having and i think that talking about them each week uh, actually uh extrapolates my enjoyment of whatever i just saw i actually watched this episode twice i watched it yesterday and i watched it again today and uh I was okay with it. I was like, all right, whatever. Right. And that's kind of a point that you and Randy have made a couple times is that like humans are, are the bad ones, but the enterprise is humans. They're like, they represent like the good side of humanity. And usually there's more of them. And usually they're able to convince the, the bad side of humanity that what they're doing is wrong. And so the other half of the coin, the, you know, the, the negative side of like humanity. And I'm looking, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to pour more of like the positive side of humanity out of the enterprise. Maybe that's, maybe that's where we're finding ourselves on opposite ends. Right. Well, I think a lot of times the enterprise crew, it, they're not always right at first. They get it right at the very end. <laughs> and so uh, there's a lot of times where I feel like they're along for the ride. And then eventually a line is crossed and they're like, Oh yeah, we probably shouldn't do it this way. Uh, I, I they're, they're all learning opportunities. And <laughs> the enterprise crew is learning, and we are being teachable moments. Right, right. And so this, this is definitely on the job training. Right, and I think that there's a lot of that. And so um, when it's not like they come in and they're like the police and like, oh my god, you guys are doing this the wrong way. You know, we spend 35 minutes of a 40 something minute show with the enterprise going along with whatever is happening, and then it hits the fan. Then they fix it. And so uh, if it were, they arrive and they're immediately like, you shouldn't be this way. But but their rules tell them not to be like that. You know, the, their whole prime directive and, and understanding and learning, you know, then they that's how it becomes a teaching moment. As you say, they sit back, they see how everyone does their thing, and then they weigh in. Um, but when you see what this ugly, the other ugly side is, and that's the, the prominent 
uh, characterization that's happening in each episode, then that's why I feel like the similarities are what, what's going on with us on Earth isn't the crew of the Enterprise. It's usually the weirdos that are on the planets. <laughs> we are a lot more like the assholes that the Enterprise is going to stop. <laughs> so that's why I think it's interesting. The, the, the crew of the Enterprise, humanity has evolved in a way to where we're not there yet. And we're more like these these assholes that are on these other space stations or on these other planets. And that's we are mullet man. Right. <laughs> so, yes, you're right, Dave. The Enterprise is the good side of humanity. But unfortunately, the relatable side of humanity is the assholes that we see and that are tend to be the bad guys on these episodes. Who hurt you, Justin? Who hurt you? No one. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just an optimist, I guess. You I are. feel the humanity is the enterprise, and I think that we are great. And, uh, and uh, you know, we have a couple bad apples. We just need to prune them, like Loki. Bad trees. Yeah. Bad planets. Prune the planet. Yeah. <laughs> prune the planet. <laughs> Anyway, take us. I'm sorry that I'm a Debbie Downer, but the thing is, it is it's it is this perception that I'm seeing that is making me enjoy the episodes because it's relatable. So I think that that should be a good thing. This this show is showing you how not to be, and I think mm-hmm. that I'm learning from it. You know, I'm, I'm taking these as a teaching moment. The Enterprise is not is not only teaching these these other uh, alien species, but they're also teaching me something, Dave. You just already know it all. You're better than everybody else. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Definitely not what I'm saying. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like I, a Ferengi. I'm, I'm I can use all the, the teaching resident, I can get. I'm the resident optimist, I guess. And I'll just have to uh, l- dismiss my lofty ideals, I guess. Yeah. You're the, you're the naysayer over there. How are you the are you, no. Look at all these nays on this list. <laughs> Dave, I Dave, Dave. Ex- Dave. I, uh, I guess <laughs> I, I, it must be the parent in me. I, I expect more. I expect more from you. Oh yeah, no, I'm cool with the season. I, I expect more for Star Trek. <laughs> I am definitely not cool with Owen. You, you will not be cool with the season two. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> satisfactory. Okay. On that note, I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to Geek Legacy's Escape Pod. Uh, we had a lot of fun this episode. Hopefully, you guys did too. Um, if you like listening to our ramblings and you want to hear us rant on about all things geeky, uh, you should definitely check out the Geek Legacy pro- podcast proper. Uh, also on this channel, so check it out and uh, listen and have fun. And until then, we will uh, see you next week. 